Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Community Fellowship this morning. We're glad that each of you is, is here this morning. If you're a visitor, I'll let you know you're in a congregation of sinners. But we are forgiven sinners, but we're no different. We're just forgiven by our trust in the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our worship service. Heavenly Father, thank you for just being here this morning. And we just pray that, Lord, you would, in a sense, perform heart surgery on us here today. That, Lord, we need your word. We need it more than we so often realize. And just pray that it would we'd not just walk away here thinking, wow, what a good message. And then we don't even meditate on it, contemplate it, or even think how it would apply to our life. But Father, we just pray that your word would have its perfect work to perform that, that heart surgery that only you can do on each one of us. We thank you for your many blessings upon us. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness that we're going to talk about today. And we just pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified by our lives and by this worship service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God's faithfulness. What comes to mind when you think of faithfulness? When you think of the word faithfulness, what comes to your mind? Is it God that comes to mind? Maybe a friend that you've had through the years. Or maybe a definition of faithfulness. You see, no one typically dislikes the character of faithfulness, especially when they are the beneficiary of that faithfulness. It is a quality we all like, but do not always pursue and exhibit in our lives. Now consider this question. What if God's faithfulness was only equal to your faithfulness? What would it be like? What would it be like if the measure of God's faithfulness was just equal to the faithfulness you have? Faithfulness can be looked at through many windows of life. We can all look at areas of our life in which we may tend to pat ourselves on the back in which we are regularly faithful. But in reality, we also know there are areas of faithfulness that need much improvement. Not everything that distracts us away from faithfulness is sinful in and of itself. But giving into it more than we ought can be sinful. Whether it be your favorite hobby of maybe golf or fishing or biking, camping, whatever it is. Needlepoint, I don't know. But those things in and of themselves are not sinful, but when that in a sense becomes an idol to us, it distracts from our faithfulness unto God. God gives us the faith to believe, but we are also to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as the scripture says. We're to work at disciplining ourselves and running the eternal race for the purpose of godliness and his glory. How often do we discipline ourselves, in a sense, work up spiritual sweat, showing our faithfulness to God? How often are we involved in encouraging one another so we're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, which 
comes upon us every day. How often is your life like the stock market, ups and downs? Doing great one day, terrible the next. And why is that? Have you ever stopped to just evaluate? Why is that? Is it because there's not as much time in the Word? Not as much time in prayer? Not as much time in fellowship? Being tossed to and fro by the waves of this world? Life's worries, life's pleasures, life's riches? Yet we see in Hebrews 11, known as the heroes of the faith, yet they also had their sinful lows. However, that doesn't mean it gives us an excuse. Charles Spurgeon said, the best of men are only men at best. And that's us. Look at Peter. Peter sure had his ups and downs. He walked on water, but then began to sink. Faith got him out of the boat. But it was faithlessness that made him sink. In Matthew chapter 26, in verses 31 to 35, we read the following. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing. How many times have you and I said that? How many times have you and I said, I'll never fade away. I'll, I'll never have this happen. Even if I have to die with you, I'll do this. But then, in verses 69 to 75 of the same chapter, Matthew 26, we read the following. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl said to him, and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. How many times have we been there? How many times have we been with the fear of man and we say, I don't know the man. Peter goes from saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, to saying, I don't know the man. He couldn't even acknowledge that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. How many times have we done that? 
You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're my Savior. And then when it comes time to stand up, I don't know the man. Quoting from another pastor concerning Peter. Peter's fall seems to say to every one of us, you too are weak. You too will fall if you are left to yourself. Therefore, totally trust in your master, but never trust in yourself. Look to him and do not rely on your own experience or the firmness of your own resolutions, for you will assuredly fall as Peter did unless the mighty hand of Christ shall hold you up. What a mercy it was that Christ did not treat Peter as Peter treated him by saying, I don't know the man. Now I must point out that it is our faith that can have its ups and downs. Life has its ups and downs in spite of where our faith is at. A person of great faith has trials and downs as well, but that only helps to strengthen us. But yet it is our, our faith that can waver. And so we've talked a lot so far about our faith or faithlessness, and yet the topic being God's faithfulness. So it's like, how does this come together? Well, God's faithfulness is perfect. There is no improvement needed. There is no ups and downs. Therefore, our reliance or our faith has to be on the one who is always and perfectly faithful. A.W. Pink, in speaking of unfaithfulness, said, nor can reader or writer claim complete immunity from this fearful sin. In how many ways have we been unfaithful to Christ and to the light and privileges which God has entrusted to us? But oh, how refreshing, how unspeakably blessed to lift our eyes above this scene of ruin and behold the one who is faithful. Faithful in all things, faithful at all times. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. God is of his word. What he says he will do and it will come to pass. He can be trusted. But we easily and often forget that. We do our own thing and come up with our own plans, our own plans like Sarah and Abraham did with Hagar. You see, it's one thing to accept the faithfulness of God as a divine truth, but we also know it is quite another to act upon it. However, if it weren't for God's faithfulness, any amount of faith that we would have would be worthless because it's fully dependent on God and his faithfulness. And I close with verse 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You have never been tempted to sin in any different way than any other people. God is faithful. 
He will not allow you to be tempted more than you can take. But when you are tempted, he will make for you to keep you from falling into sin. And you know, if each one of us is honest with ourselves and looks back at those times we've fallen, there was a way out. We just didn't faithfully choose it. Well, you know, the story doesn't end there. Peter was restored, just like the song says, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. If you're his, nothing can pluck you from his hand. Just like Peter, you can be restored. You can get back into that fellowship of faithfulness and walking with the Lord and understanding that joy that comes from walking with him.